Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, episode 30. I'm Ainsley Arment, and today we're featuring an interview with homeschooling veteran and founder of Beautiful Feet Books, Rhea Berg. But first, I have a very special announcement to share with you. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. Last August, we launched a campaign called A Place to Run Wild and Free. We set out to raise $400,000 by December 31st in order to purchase land near the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia to create the Wild and Free Farm Village. As of today, I'm excited to report that we've raised over $220,000 thanks to the generous support of so many of you in this community. But we only have a few weeks left to make it the rest of the way. So this year, our Christmas wish is to have you join our community of founding families who are helping to bring this vision to life with a tax-deductible donation of any amount. Imagine driving down a long gravel lane surrounded by fields and forests, mountain views and meadows, until you come to a large stone entryway that says, Wild and Free Farm Village. You drive over a crest and just as you reach the other side, the most magnificent landscape reveals itself in front of you. There are rolling pastures, forested foothills, and a bold mountain creek running through the property. The grand peaks of the Blue Ridge Mountains rise up in the distance with old rag clamoring for attention. You breathe in the clean air and exhale a deep, contented sigh. The first place you come to is a welcome outpost and a general store. Inside, you find handcrafted souvenirs and creations of reclaimed wood and stone from the very property you're standing on. Maybe you pick out a postcard or two for loved ones back home and even get a taste of homespun ice cream churned by a John Deere hit-and-miss tractor engine. Your children run off to the meadow where other children play and visit with animals or build a wilderness fort in the woods. During the winter months, you can visit our December market where vendors sell ornaments and treats in tiny outdoor pop-up shops while carolers in period costumes serenade you with the sounds of Christmas. Enjoy a hot cup of cocoa, or maybe pick out a potted tree while you wait for the evening Christmas show to begin. During the summer months, there's a farmer's market and handcraft fair, where families set up their produce and homemade goods to be purchased or bartered. There's a forest school, farm school, and nature school, where kids and teenagers alike learn skills to help them steward and care for the gifts of nature, and where they discover passions and find friendships that will last a lifetime. The Event Barn is there for weekend workshops, mama retreats, and small conferences throughout the year. Imagine gathering with hundreds of other women for inspiring talks, farm-to-table dinners, and much-needed getaways. In the evening, as the stars come out over the Shenandoah sky, the twinkle lights come on, and the outdoor fireplace is lit for an evening of laughter and conversation with new friends from across the country. There are several tiny homes situated across the landscape for overnight guests and telescopes in the field for stargazing late at night. 
In the vein of Francis Schaeffer's Labrie in Switzerland and Young Life's Wilderness Camps, the Wild and Free Farm Village will be a cherished place for all of us and make a lasting impact on families for generations to come. To help us reach our goal by December 31st, would you consider adding Wild and Free to your Christmas list with a donation of any amount? To learn more, see how far we've come, and make a contribution, visit bewildandfree.org slash give. I'm so thrilled to share a conversation between two of my dear friends, Jennifer Pepito and Rhea Berg, about some simple ways to make the Christmas season special. If you don't know Rhea, she is the founder of Beautiful Feet Books, a pioneer in the homeschooling movement and a dear friend of Wild and Free. She has such a special way of drawing you into her stories and helping you feel the magic that comes from rich literature and meaningful traditions. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I thought it'd be fun since we're closing in so close to the holidays to just have you share with us some of your favorite memories for making the holiday special. The holidays can be so incredibly stressful. I tend to be a little bit on the high anxiety spectrum. So with a large family and all of the constraints about Christmas and gift giving and all that, it can be such a stressful time for young mothers. And I know it was for me. And I would just like to say, simplify, simplify, simplify. And one of the things that I think you can do to simplify is read Christmas stories every day because I think it makes it a special time of year and it also helps keep our focus on what's important um, and sort of helps to center us in the craziness of all the materialism. And the other thing I want to say is don't be afraid to say to extended family members, you know, we're really trying to not do the materialistic thing. So we don't want to do a gift exchange unless it's something that's homemade, you know, by the family. And just kind of take that off your plate because there can be so much stress related to feeling like, oh, I've got to measure up and buy uh, this child something really nice because they bought my child something really nice. And that just takes a lot of joy out of Christmas. So I want to say be brave and courageous and just say, as a family, we're saying no to the materialism of our society. And this is how we are going to operate Christmas in our family. So and I don't mean, you know, don't do any gift giving, but keep it simple and do one special thing. And I'm sure you do it that way too right, Jen? Well, yeah, I love that because we don't have a lot of extended family that buy gifts for our family. But even so, my kids have way more toys than they can manage. Yes. And then it ends up being just a big chore for us. The more stuff we buy, the more stuff we have to wrap. And later on, the more stuff we have to organize. So that's kind of my message this year to pay for experiences or give to others as opposed to piling up too many gifts. Yes. And you know, the things that they can give to each other can be a service. Like I'm going to take care of your dog for a week for you. So 
so you can have a break. Or it can be just a way to learn how to serve and give of ourselves with something that's, you know, invisible in a way rather than material. So I think that's a good thing to remember in the holidays is not allow Christmas to control us, but rather control the way that we determine to celebrate Christmas. I want to tell you about one very, very special Christmas tradition we had for 11 years. When our kids were all uh, adolescents and teens, we moved to the East Coast and we lived in the quintessential New England village, Sandwich, Massachusetts. And every holiday, they would have what was called the Christmas lighting. And everyone in the downtown area, which was all these 17th and 18th century homes that have been restored, everyone would wait until the first Friday of Christmas to light their home. So on the first Friday of December, everyone would light their home on that evening. And there was a special celebration. We lived right across from the First Church of Christ. And that was one of those beautiful New England white steeple churches. We called it the wedding cake because it looked like a multi-tiered wedding cake. And they had a Dickensian brass band that would come and play all the traditional Christmas carols. And people would dress up old-fashioned and everyone would bring a lantern, you know, a candlelit lantern, or they would distribute candles at the very end. And uh, the very last song that would be sung would be Silent Night. Well, we were living right across the street from this taking place. And we thought, oh my goodness, what an incredible opportunity to do a living crush. And so we got our neighbors together and friends that were gifted artists. We had one that was a Hollywood makeup artist and we put together costumes and we did a living nativity right in our front yard across the street from this event. And it was so beautiful because, you know, the children dressed up as little shepherds and we had the three wise men that would walk through the crowd because there would be anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred people there gathered on the street. The wise men would be all dressed up in ancient clothing and with their crowns. And Oh, that's so amazing. And it was just a beautiful thing. We would build an entire stable and a manger and we would haul in bales and bales of hay and, and we always had a living baby Jesus. So some brave mother would allow us to use her infant for the evening. And um, we always had an angel, a live angel up on the roof of our house. We had a star of Bethlehem hung straight over this huge tree. And it was really quite an enchanting scene. We had live goats and sheep. And a couple of years, we had a live miniature donkey. His name was Eeyore. And um, it was so beautiful because we could display just like they did in the Middle Ages before people were generally literate. This was how they shared the gospel stories. If the baby Jesus started crying, the sheep and the goats would all start bawling and neighing at the same time. And it was just like this little chorus. It was so beautiful. Yeah. What an incredibly memorable experience for your family. It was. And it was such a neat thing because it was something we could all work on together. Everybody had their part. Everybody did their job. And my son, who's a, the architect, he loved lighting. So he would create the light for this stable scene that was just so beautiful. And it was just such a, an honor to be able to do this. And so often we would see parents, you know, just kneeling down, you know, with their little ones and, and the little ones would be asking questions and they would literally be, you know, kneeling with their children and telling them what this was because a lot of the children didn't know. So it felt like a real honor and privilege to be able to share our faith and the true meaning of Christmas in that way. You're giving me, you're giving me all loads of excitement too, because we're celebrating Celebrating Christmas in Assisi, Italy this year. Oh my goodness. Where one of those, we're actually the first post nativity 
nativity yes. happened. Yes, that's exactly right. So. And that was why Francis began those. I mean, they eventually became, uh, they were eventually called miracle plays of the Middle Ages. So I would just like to say, if you ever have an opportunity or you live in a unique small town or something where you have a location to do this, it makes such a beautiful community event. It was such a wonderful way to start the Christmas season, the first Friday of December, with all of our neighbors participating and, you know, the community just appreciated it so much. It was such a gift to them. That was a real special thing. What a special thing for all those young children. I know we we went to like a living, it was called Journey to Bethlehem and it's, they'd set up almost a whole village and you could walk through oh, and it was such a, yes. an exciting experience for the kids. There's so many beautiful ways yes. to make this season really come alive for our children yeah. without it being All related to laborious. materialism. Yeah. Yes. Well, right. and it reminds me that, you know, in all of the Hispanic cultures, they do Las Posadas, which is the living nativity celebration on a certain day during Advent. And we lived in the little town of Sonora, California for 15 years. And there's an old gold mining town there, a historic gold mining town. And they did a Las Posadas event around the holidays. I don't know which, which weekend it was, but the whole thing was done in you know Mexican and Hispanic costumes. So it was beautiful. Like Mary was riding on a burro, but she had on a sombrero. And you know the townspeople were the people from you know the gold rush the cowboys and the, the miners they were the, all dressed in those costumes along the streets you know watching this living nativity parade down the main street so there's lots of things like that that are fun to explore with our kids around the holidays that's funny we went to that actually our first year living in the central valley california area oh, we, did. we went up to that and oh my goodness it's beautiful so hopefully we'll make it again this year yeah that's a beautiful thing We'll be back in just a few minutes with some of Rhea's favorite Christmas books. But first, you should know that our new Hearth content bundle is live and ready for download. In this packed Christmas-themed bundle, you'll get a beautiful guide for celebrating St. Lucia Day, a book club for Laura Ingalls Wilder's The Long Winter, a compilation of favorite Christmas traditions by other homeschooling mamas, a tutorial for a winter branch table piece, a special section on nature journaling around the hearth, and so much more. Friends, as we enter a season when the world calls us to clutter our calendars, fill our refrigerators, and empty our pocketbooks, the hearth beckons us to rest, be still, revel in simple, and savor our moments. To get the new hearth bundle or try a free sample bundle, visit bewildandfree.org bundles. Rhea Berg continued her conversation with Jennifer Pepito by listing some of her favorite books for Christmas time. So grab a pen and paper and get ready to discover some beautiful stories for the holiday season. So tell me a little bit about your favorite book. Okay, well, I want to just stress, first of all, how important it is to try and do, I know it's so hard, we're all such busy people, but to try and do some sort of Advent devotional celebration each evening. As you know, and I know, Jennifer Naraki has written a beautiful study called Slow and Sacred Advent. So I'd really recommend people locating that if they're looking for just a, some direction devotionally. And then I have a couple of special devotionals that I have used over the years 
years. One of our favorite authors is Henry Nowen, and he wrote a book called Advent and Christmas, Wisdom from Henry J.M. Nowen. Mm, and that it's just a list, devotional meditations that, you know, just bring out the beauty of all of the aspects of Christmas. And then another one that I really love is called Rediscovering the Meaning of Christmas, God with Us. And this is a compilation of short meditations by Scott Cairns, Emily Griffin, Richard John Newhouse, Kathleen Norris, Eugene Peterson, Lucy Shaw. But that has been a beautiful one too. So you might have to post these on your Instagram. Okay, I'll try to remember to do that. That's a great idea. And then I just want to share some of my favorite children's titles because I think everyone should have a Christmas collection and read a different book each night if they can. And you can find some fun Christmas stories online too. But one of them that we love and read every Christmas is The Fourth Wise Men. And as you know, there are really are only three wise men. So this is a tale based on this fourth wise man who is on his way to find the baby Jesus, but he gets waylaid by all of these people that have needs. And so the gifts that he's put together to give to the baby Jesus, he ends up having to give to a mother and her starving child or, you know, someone who's lame alongside the road. And he ends up, you know, missing the birth because he's actually acting out the gospel. So that's a beautiful one. Most everyone knows about the Polar Express. We love the work of Chris Van Allsburg. And I think he just really nailed it in that book about the wonder and the joy of Christmas. And then one that not a lot of people know about, which is one of my absolute favorites, is uh, Santa's Favorite Story. And this is an old book by Hiseko Aoki. You know, it's basically just a little fairy tale about the animals and Santa, but Santa has fallen asleep and the animals of the forest go to wake him up and say, oh, you're going to miss Christmas. You need to get busy. And he says, oh, no, no. Christmas really has nothing to do with me. Sit down and I'll tell you the story of the first Christmas. So I think people will really like that one because it's just such a nice twist on the whole Santa thing. And then Babushka and the Three Kings is a Russian Christmas tale that won the Caldecott back in 1960, I'm thinking. So that one is Babushka and the Three Kings by Ruth Robbins. And then one of our all-time, all-time favorites is uh, The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry. Illustrations are really, really important to me. So I think if you're going to look for this one, try to find the illustrations by Lisbeth Zwerger. She has done just, well, she won the Hans Christian Andersen Medal. And that's the highest medal you can win for uh, children's illustrations. And so I really recommend all of her books. And then probably a lot of our listeners know about Sarah Plain and Tall by Patricia McLaughlin. It won a Newbery Medal. And she also wrote a little storybook about Christmas called The True Gift, A Christmas Story by Patricia McLaughlin. And then Shoemaker Barton is a classic old tale based on a Christmas story by Leo Tolstoy. Shoemaker Barton. How exciting. He's one of our favorite authors. And then if you are... A pop-up book lover, Robert Sabuda, did most beautiful pop-up art the night before Christmas. And my grandkids absolutely love that one. And then finally, I have a lot more, but we don't have time for all of them. So that'll get people started. (laughs) One of our favorite... Christmas tales that just sort of brought us all to tears um, when we had four teenagers in the house came from a compilation called Christmas in My Heart by Joe Wheeler. And so he wrote Christmas is My Heart, and this is from his second 
treasury. It's actually a true story. William J. Letterer, author of such World War II classics as All Ships at Sea and Ensign O'Toole and Me, and co-author of The Ugly American, remembers a wartime Christmas that was like no other. It was early in the war, and Letterer was an officer on a Navy destroyer. On the return home from the terrible Battle of Anzio, the ship was torpedoed. Letterer wrote down this true story on a Christmas memory of the ship's crew and captain, and then sent copies to those sailors who survived. So it's a beautiful true story. And there are other stories in here that are just as uh, moving, but that's one of our all-time favorites. And It's called A Christmas Ballad for the Captain. captain. Yes. Mm, I can't wait. We just found a few new favorites last year. And one of them, I think it's called Christmas Time in the Morning, but it's by Pearl Black. Oh, yes. Wonderful. The best Christmas pageant ever. I read it for the first time last year. And I loved just the message of mercy towards people who are struggling. Yes. Just such an important part of Christmas. Well, the thing about Christmas that is so beautiful is that sense of wonder and sense of anticipation. And I just finished writing study notes for The Little Prince for my Around the World with Picture Books Part 2. And this sums up what we're talking about here. This is the fox says this to the prince. If you come at four in the afternoon, I'll begin to be happy by three. And it just speaks so clearly to that beautiful sense of anticipation that we have. You know, Christmas is really a time of wonder and anticipation. And as we mature into adult life, it becomes really harder and harder to maintain that true sense of wonder. Christmas stories can, you know, really help us attain that. And I'm just going to end with this quote from C.S. Lewis. The most intense joy lies not in the having, but in the desiring. The delight that never fades, the bliss that is eternal, is only ours when what you most desire is just out of your reach. That's really beautiful. And I appreciate I appreciate it so much too for us. This year we're going to Italy. And so I can't really take a lot of presents for my kids. We're trying to do carry-ons and sure. whatnot. But I can still make Christmas magical just by reading books and doing the cookies, making a big deal out of it, even though it might not really be a That's big right. deal. Well, yeah. have so a thank very you. blessed so, Christmas thank you, thank you, and Maria. a wonderful trip to Europe. That sounds really magical. Thank you. I so appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. It's always a pleasure, Maria. Right, Friends, just a reminder to visit the website for the Wild and Free Farm Village and consider giving a tax-deductible gift of any amount before December 31st. Whether it's $5 or $5,000, your contribution will make a big difference in bringing this special place to life. It will be a gift to your own family for years to come. We're so close to reaching our goal to purchase the land, but we still need your help. To make a donation, visit bewildandfree.org give. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Today, but join us again next week for the Wild and Free Podcast. Mm-hmm.